Do you hold a leadership position at work, however struggle to communicate your message to your colleagues, or perhaps they struggle to do the same? Do you want actionable items you can do right now to fix this very conundrum? Well, if you answered yes, then Roseanne Galvan is someone you ought to meet. She's obsessed with talking. She loves watching and listening to people do just that, and then helping them to improve the way they express themselves. She has a master's in communications. She's a trained commercial mediator, and in her spare time, she even holds a California state real estate salesperson license. She joined me this week to discuss her new podcast and effective workplace communication tools we can all use to become better communicators. I'm Kevin McShan. Let's have this conversation. Roseanne, if you're ready, I'll welcome you to the program. And I'm super excited uh, to talk to you about effective communication. Uh, great to see you today, and thank you so much for being here. Oh, it's my privilege and honor. I'm delighted to be here. And we're talking about my favorite subject. Uh, we, could, we could spend a lot of time with this. Absolutely. You know, I uh, have a journalism back, uh, background, so I can relate to you for sure. Yeah, I think we're uh, we're fellow uh, communication geeks, and, and that's okay. It's a good thing to be, right? Absolutely. Anytime people give me a platform to talk, I never say no. <laughs> exactly. Take it. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to start uh, off by asking you, uh, by the way, I'm going to give you the next 30 to 90 seconds to sort of give you uh, your elevator speed so our listeners can get to know you uh, personally and professionally. So I'll let you go with that and uh, see uh, what you come up with. Absolutely. Sure. Thank you. Well, I'm, uh, I was number four of five children in a, a big family. Wow. And when, yeah, when you come in at that range, you have to do something to get attention, right? So I started talking early on, and um, there are people that say I haven't stopped. <laughs> um, I really enjoy your profession, right? That's my exactly. So you might as well, you know, turn it into a job, right? Um, I, I, what really fascinates me is how people connect uh, or don't connect, and uh, the fact that in working, I originally started out working in radio, and uh, which obviously very uh, communication centered, and and. I was my job, it was, you know, a production uh, person low on the totem pole. And my job was to get uh, our interview guests to say something that was 
memorable, quotable, interesting. And we would have these people who were fascinating individuals, but unless they were coached a little bit, uh, it would be difficult for them to get to the point because uh, when we were doing morning drive radio, morning drive radio needs to be fast. Uh, it has to you know, click, people have to get it, their point across and then move on. So I got good at that. And then I went to work for a seminar company uh, where I would, we would produce these seminars with authors and speakers and experts. And um, I listened, I've heard a, a lot of uh, professionals, speakers, and, I, and it was interesting to me to see how they would hone their craft and what they would do to connect with an audience. And again, sometimes you'd have these amazing uh, people who had so much to say, but they would just miss it. You know, they couldn't distill it down so people would pay attention. They couldn't keep people's attention, uh, that sort of thing. And I had grown up in a, uh, a family business, so I did a lot of, uh, you know, answering phones and that sort of thing. So I just sort of melded all my stuff together. And you know how you do all these things. Started out as a side hustle and uh, did some training and one thing led to another and eventually my whole business was on uh, presentation skills, communication, leading meetings, that sort of thing, uh, which was interesting and great. And I've worked with a, a diverse group of people, a lot of sales people, a lot of real estate and um, quite a few tech companies where people, again, have a lot in their head, but they need my help to learn how to distill it in a, a memorable and impactful way. Um, and then, you know, COVID hit, uh, and like everybody else, I, I kind of went through my files and thought of some projects that I'd been thinking about for a long time or a really long time. And one of them was to do a podcast. Uh, so a friend of mine who was actually originally met, he was originally a client of mine and, uh, been friends of mine and, uh, my husband's for years and years, uh, also into communications, I said, hey, let's do a podcast. So uh, we started to do it. And what we are doing, it's called Communication Czar. And what we're doing is we're taking topics that people ask us a lot about uh, and bringing in experts and, and chatting with them. And it, as, as uh, you know, it's something that's fun. And it, if you're into communications, it's always fun to hear different perspectives on things. And um, so that's what we're doing now. Our, our, our podcast, our quarantine podcast, which I I'm hoping we'll outlive quarantine <laughs> by a landslide, but it's a, it's a fun subject. And I also write about uh, this topic and, and uh, we put, put together a website and I put some articles on that and we're just uh, rolling along, geeking out about communications and how people can connect. Well, I, I, as I told you and shared with you before, I view life as a constant game of connect and so we, <laughs> have that same synergy for sure. Absolutely. So um, I'm also curious to know, because you say you can help people with actionable items to improve their workplace communication. So I have a two-part question for you in terms of what are some of the common missteps that people make when it comes to workplace communications and could you provide me uh, three tips on how to rectify uh, those issues? Sure. Uh, well, I think the first thing is perspective. You always want to think about going into any communication situation, thinking about the other person, who you are speaking for, too. So in other words, what's in it for them? Start organizing everything you have to say based on the perspective of not you, but your listener. Whether it's one person or an audience, you always have to think about what's in it for them. 
Another thing, uh, so I see that a lot where people talk too much about me. Oh, I want to do this and I'm hoping to do this and I have this idea. Okay, now we need to switch that around and think of the perspective of the person and say, you will benefit from this. Here's something for you. You can learn from, or you, know, you might be able to improve, et cetera, always from their perspective rather than your perspective. So that's a, a common mistake. Another one is reading versus speaking. People get nervous and what they do is they spend a lot of time on a script. And what I propose people, if they want to really connect in the workplace, not to work off a script, but to work off of just bullet points. Because the speaking, our speaking voice and our reading voice are two very different things, right? So think about it. When we have children we want to put to sleep, what do we do? We read to them. And if you have a meeting and you want them to be compelled and listening and engaged in what you're saying, do you want to get up there and read to them? No, because they've been programmed since the very beginning that somebody's reading to me, oh, oh, I'm going to start to nod off. I'm going to go to sleep. We don't want that. We want them to act on our ideas. So instead, speak to them. It doesn't have to be letter perfect. It doesn't have to be perfectly correct grammatically, but it has to be impactful. And the way to do that is just to talk to them conversationally. It's okay if you pause for a minute to get your thoughts. You'd be way better off just speaking off of a few bullets than a perfectly beautiful script that might get you an A plus if you turned it into school. Well, it's not school. The game of life, we have to connect with people. So we wanna make sure that we're, we're speaking rather than reading. And the last thing as far as common mistakes goes is TMI, too much information. Not so much personal information, but just bombarding with information. If you have to make a point, distill it down to the simplest memorable piece. Short, memorable, short, memorable sentences. Don't get overly bogged down in details. If your audience needs further explanation, they will ask. You're going to give them a chance to, to ask questions at the end. Make sure you keep it simple, keep it short and memorable. Now on the flip side, three pieces of advice. Uh, first of all, if you wanna be a great communicator, work on your listening skills because you need to listen to what the other person is saying. And then remember, I told you about perspective and present your materials from their perspective. So listen more than you speak, you know, two ears, one mouth. So think about that ratio, right? So work on listening. Also practice out loud. If you're giving a key presentation or you're even presenting an idea at a meeting, a lot of times what people will focus on is so work on getting their their PowerPoint, perfect, it's beautiful, the colors are great, it's lovely. Or they'll write down their script and they'll, they'll spend their time you know, writing the script and changing, cutting, pasting, figuring it all out. What you wanna do is think about practicing out loud. It is a, a spoken medium. And if we're going to speak, we need to speak out loud. Speak everything out loud. Don't read your script to yourself, speak it. And then remember, moving away from scripts, we're just getting down to the point where you can distill it to key points, where you know maybe we work on the transition. I'm gonna cover this and then I'm gonna cover this. So you have a framework, but you don't have to flush the whole thing out with words. And the last thing is focus on the outcome from the start. So when you sit down to prepare something and you said you have a, a meeting coming up where you have to uh, pitch something to a group, you wanna, from the very beginning, focus on the outcome. Build everything backwards. You're going to reverse engineer it so far. So you're going to think about, here's what I want them to do. I want them to take action. I want them to approve it. What am I going to do to build a framework that supports that outcome? Focus on that from the very beginning. 
Ed, you piqued my interest, as you know, from doing your research on me. I um, support and work with people with uh, disabilities to find them employment here and include them in all aspects of societal life. So I'm curious to ask you about the importance of inclusion and diversity for individuals with disabilities and your perspective on on how uh, communication uh, can help us better infuse people with disabilities into the workforce and just into life in general. Absolutely. Well, you know, it's interesting. Uh, one of the things I try to tell people is one size doesn't fit all. And what we want to do is we want people to just realize, uh, as somebody with a disability, what am I working with? Like, what am I bringing to the table? There's only one you, right? There's only one Kevin. There's only one of each of us. What we tend to do is we try to think, oh, I want to be like so-and-so. And I'm going to change everything to be like so-and-so. But the actual part is that the more int interesting we are is when we're our true selves. So working on that. Also too, thinking about language and, and, and how you speak, what content you give. So if you're going to be talking about examples, um, you know, you, I say, oh, so-and-so is running to the store. Well, maybe some people aren't running. We're not running. So, you know, showing in your, in your PowerPoint pictures of people who are, are all different abilities, uh, all different, you know, just a multitude of examples that appeal to lots of different people. Uh, because what we're going to do is we start to see and recognize somebody who looks like us or who looks like somebody we love in there and we want to, to recognize that it's you know not we're not all cookie cutter person there are all kinds of interesting um, abilities and and appearances and we we present to the world in very different ways so we want to think about that and using examples in our visuals um, and also not selling ourselves short however able we are that's where we are and we just be your best true self. Don't try to, to compare yourself to any other standards because where you are is going to be your most genuine and most appealing, even if it's a little different than the, the standard. And uh, thank you for sharing that. And I'm also curious to know, what's the best part for you in helping people to, uh, sort of uh, get their communication and messaging onto a solid footing in terms of presentation. What's the best part of your job for you? I think the best part is when somebody, the light bulb goes off for someone and they recognize that they don't have to be anything different. They don't have, they can be themselves. Uh, you know, the best version of themselves is what you want to put forward, sure. But a lot of times what happens is people have in their mind something, an ideal of perfection and they think, oh, I need to be, and it's usually another person or maybe somebody, you know, that they've worked with over the years or somebody might be successful. They have this vision or maybe it's, it's you know, uh, somebody fake, Tony Robbins. I have to be Tony Robbins. I have, and, and they try and they try and they try and it, it takes away from their, they're wasting their own energies and their own abilities and it comes across as disingenuous to the audience. So they're never as effective. They may do a little better because they personally think that they're doing better, but when people, the, the beauty for me is when somebody does something that's truly them, their own presentation, their own way that's true to them, they don't have to conform to, you know, a standard or what everybody else does. And they start to recognize that, hey, you know, I may not be an extreme extrovert, I may be a little shy, but I have my own strengths and I can use that to appeal to an audience in a certain way by, by presenting myself and my ideas. In a, in a cohesive way that's true to me. 
So the one size fits all idea, when that's, when that's blown away and people get that, that who they are, they've got enough exactly how they are and they can work with that, that's, that's the payoff right there. Makes it all worthwhile. Absolutely. And I know that we're, we're doing this uh, podcast today through Zoom. And I know that you know that millions of people are now using the platform to communicate in the age of the pandemic. And you have some advice when it comes to the seven deadly Zoom scenes. So I'm wondering if you could share that with me this afternoon. Of course, you know, that's the pervasiveness of Zoom is, as we've seen all kinds of interesting things. So I'll show you some, actually, we'll get a little extra credit. I'll actually show you some of the mistakes. So one of them really common is the camera level. So what people do is they have a camera down here on their desk and then they just pull their screen up. So guess what's happening? You're looking up my nose and you know, you don't you really don't want to, do you? So what you want to think about first deadly sin is don't, don't uh, show them your nose hairs. Don't expose the nose hairs by having your, your cat, your um, camera or your webcam way down on your desk, raise it up to eye level, right? Right off the bat, it looks better. So now we're looking eye to eye. You're not looking at my nose, so you don't have to deal with that. Uh, another thing is you want to be a lion instead of a bird. And this is the same concept that actually rings true when you're presenting. So a lot of times what people will do is they'll sit, they'll put their camera and they'll sit way back, right? So now I'm becoming very little on your screen, mm -hmm. right? As opposed to up front and center. So here's the concept I want you to think about. The lion, the law of the jungle, right? The lion takes up a lot of space, right? The bird, just a little tiny. So if we're a bird, we're tiny, we're far away from our screen, we're only taking up a little bit of the box. What I want you to do is fill the box. So you want to get close, have it close, have it eye level, and take up the space. Because your listeners are going to be more compelled to pay attention to what you're saying. So make sure you're up close like a lion. Number three, looking naked. So <laughs> this, and now it's, it's winter when we're recording this, so uh, we're both pretty clothed. But what happens is if you wear a V-neck, let's just say, no, no don't worry. <laughs> uh, so if I, <laughs> it's not gonna get crazy. Um, if I were wearing something that was low cut, what ends up happening is the camera, you kind of wonder how low does that go, right? So what you want to do is have uh, clothing on, also not you know a, anything that's strappy, because what happens is it seems like you're wearing much less clothing than you are. So what you want to do is have a, a high neckline, and ideally, instead of flowy clothes, you want to have a little more structure because it it, it sort of puts you as put together, you know, a nice uh, collar, so you're looking looking like you're uh, put together. That's three. Number four is talking in the shadows. Really common here is people talk and they're out of the light. Or a lot of times people have their desk with um, the light source or a window behind them and it makes them shadowy. They start to look like a shadowy figure. So what we want to do is have our light source right in front of our, our uh, webcam because then the light's coming on you evenly. If it's just on one side, then I look a little bit scary, right? Uh, if it's straight on, it looks looks better. It's more appealing to pay attention to. 
the fifth one is the roller coaster. This one is very surprising to me that it happens as often as it does. Not necessarily on one-on-one -on -one meetings, but you'll see this a lot if you're in a group meeting with a group Zoom. And that is somebody who has to run some quick errands around the house and maybe they want to get their water. And so they're walking all over the place and there's all kinds of movement going on in the background. So what happens is, whoa, we feel like, you know, we're all going for a ride with, the, with their webcam, right? Uh, we don't want to do that. So if you do have to move from one room to another, or you have to get something, uh, the best thing is to either leave your uh, webcam where it is and turn your camera off or just leave it on and say, I'll be right back. Go get it. Don't bring the laptop with you or the webcam with you because then all of a sudden it's got this roller coasting thing. Uh, the sixth one is ghosting. And actually you learned this one already. You have nice, nice bright color on. What happens is the um, webcam tends to wash us out. So if we're, you're just wearing a white shirt and uh, if you're somebody who wears makeup, you know, wear makeup because it, it uh, makes your features pop out more. It's more, it's easier to see. Nice bright shirt makes people feel like, okay, I can see you, I can zero in on what you're doing and I can pay attention. And the seventh, seventh one is pay attention to your background. What's going on in the background? So you don't want to have any movement. One of the interesting things I've seen is people are copying onto these, uh, you know, the, the automatic backgrounds you can use from Zoom. One of them is uh, a beach with, with palm trees and it makes it look like you're on vacation, which is yeah. cute, a cute idea. I get it. We'd all like to be there, right? But you have to remember that attention follows movement before it follows sound. So if I have something moving in my background, guess what? You're paying more attention to this movement than to what I'm actually saying. And if you want people to pay attention to you, you need them to have nothing distracting them. So nothing in the background. That's seven. And, and I, I did seven because, uh, you know, it was easy to seven deadly sins. But I will give you another one. That, it's one of my... Uh, something that I see very often. And that is instead of having your drink, uh, which I always think have, instead of having it in something where you can't see through, because then everyone's like, mm, what's in there? You know, uh, is it tea? Is it coffee? What is it? So uh, is it something even more interesting, right? <laughs> uh, instead, just have your water in a clear glass. It's okay to sip your water. It's fine. It won't distract anyone from your message. Uh, it's, it's perfectly okay. So there's seven plus your extra credit. Eight. Well, I feel uh, uh, privileged today that I got extra credit. So thank Absolutely. you. for <laughs> Just for you. <laughs> So I'm also curious to know, you say you, you can help people create their communication superpowers. So I'm interested uh, to learn about that as well. Sure, well, you know, I, I'm a firm believer that we all have it in us. It's the, the reality that it's not one size fits all, right? So you build on your own strengths and think about when you present, thinking about what people say to you afterwards. Oh, you know, do I really, somebody says, oh, I really like the way you tell a story or, Oh, you know, I thought your humor was great. What is it that people comment on? Because that's your strengths. You know, that's your, where your skill sets go. I have to have some of my own water now that we're, we're chit-chatting. Uh, what you want to think about is figuring out what works for you and using that to your advantage. Also, to keeping things simple. Like a, when you have a superpower, just funnel that. Work on that. Don't try to be everything. Don't try to try too much, you know, put way too much information. 
keeping it simple. It's your own strength and, and going from there, using that to apply to the perspective of, of your audience. So how can I use what I'm good at to connect with the per people that are in front of me? So that's the, really your own, your, and, and remember, it's not one size fits all. It's perfectly okay to have your own unique skill set and be your, have your own unique approach. Don't try to be like everybody else because it won't work. It won't work for you. And I'm also uh, wondering because part of communication is trying to get other, other people to be persuaded towards an argument, right? So I'm wondering yes. your uh, tips on how we persuade people through uh, communication. Sure. Well, first of all, you have to think about your word choice. So be cognizant of the message you're sending out with your, the words that you choose to use. One of the ones, uh, we had a, a fun guest on our, our podcast recently, Mike Aguilera, and he was talking about being persuasive. And a word that he talked about was meat. As soon as you say um, the word meat, people get nervous. Like, oh, let's meet. Uh, you know, uh oh, we're going to have a meeting. Nobody wants to go to a meeting, right? Um, <laughs> he's like, ah! So think about, uh, you know, let's get together. How, how can we connect? Doing words that are, are more appealing to people. Another word that you need to lose is problem. There's no positive piece of problem, right? So, oh, we have a problem. How, how are we gonna address this problem? Well, okay, problem doesn't make anybody happy, right? So how can we change our, our choose words that are going to make people feel like, okay, this is something we can do. So we have an issue, let's address this issue. Uh, let's, we have a concern, let's, let's look at our concerns. What problem, not so much. A meeting, no thank you. But thinking about what, you know, words you use. Also, don't. Uh, if you say to somebody, um, it's what, they, what he called a negation. So, you know, don't think about an ice cream sundae. Guess what? We're all thinking about an ice cream sundae. Uh, so tell people what you do want them to think about. Uh, focus on moving forward in a positive manner. Also, thinking about uh, matching the energy level of the person you're speaking with. So if you come in and you're super energetic and you're talking to a really reserved group, you have to tweak it a little bit. You have to just turn down your, your energy initially so you can connect and they can go with you. Then you can, you can uh, turn it up a little a bit if, if that's how, how you are. But, uh, and it's a, you know, a challenge for people that are like me that uh, <laughs> tend to kind of come on, come on strong. You have to think about just meeting where they are and then revealing more of yourself once you have a rapport built up with them. Um, also, you want to direct the, the conversation. So you say, uh, you know, before we, if we're going to persuade someone, uh, we want to show them that we're in charge and we're comfortable with that power of being in charge. So we say, uh, before we move forward, why don't you tell me a little bit about your situation at, that you find yourself in the workplace? Let them talk and then you go on and, and move forward. So you're, you're kind of setting up guideposts for the conversation. And that sends them the message that you're someone who's confident and in control and worthy of, of doing business with them. Finally, learning how to ask and answer questions. I think what people forget is there's, there's a, an arc of uh, people's people paying attention to you. So when they're focused on what you're saying, 
initially they're paying a lot of attention and then it goes down because now they're starting to think about, oh, what am I gonna have for lunch? Or, oh, did I put gas in the car? All the things that we think about when we get distracted. So people give you their initial attention and then it wanes and it comes back when it's time for them to ask questions because now they really feel like their needs are going to be met. So what I want you to do when you think about presentations and being persuasive is learning how to answer questions. And the best thing to do is to prepare for those questions that you may not actually want to, uh, to answer. Uh, if, if you're pre presenting a proposal and you want to persuade them to, to uh, take advantage of your proposal, but you know there's one area where you're, you're a little weak in, if nothing else, prepare the answers for that, addressing that area and how you're going to overcome that weakness, how you're going to overcompensate for that. Uh, because the question parts keep, pique their interest and it's time for you to really step up and, and persuade in the question segment of, of your presentation. Now, uh, thank you for sharing that because it leads into my next question. Um, so on a personal level, I uh, wish I uh, talked to you about two and a half weeks ago uh, because I, this morning actually, sent off a, a proposal uh, to a company called a Podcast One uh, to hopefully pick up this podcast. Hopefully they're listening to this one. Uh, but I uh, set off a proposal and I used all my journalism uh, expertise to persuade them. So I'm wondering your, your thoughts on uh, when you want a decision-making panel um, to take your proposal seriously, um, how can you communicate, whether through written word, video, the confidence that you want them to proceed through your uh, proposal? Okay. Well, if you're, if you're doing it in writing, for, and actually it's a similar thing, whether it's in writing or in person, and that is you put your, all the information. So in other words, if they ask for certain things, which is often the case with these types of proposals where they want certain things, but you have the, the nuts and bolts, and then you're going to do an executive summary. You're going to do a cover page that's going to highlight the key points of your ex proposal. So when they get the proposal, a lot of times they're thinking, oh, there's a lot here. What you want to do is make it easy for them to access your information by doing an executive summary cover page, one page. Maybe you have five pages of, of the proposal. Maybe it's 25 pages. One, you have to distill that down to one page of highlights. That would also be the same approach you would take if you were in person presenting to this board. If you had to uh, we will eventually be uh, speaking with people again in person or on Zoom. Fingers crossed. Yes. <laughs> that would be, you, you highlight, you give them the highlights. Don't give them all the nitty gritty because you're going to lose them. No matter how compelling and how interesting and amazing your project is and you are, you're still going to lose them. Instead, you're going to give them the highlights and then refer them back to that document. Or if it's in, in, in print only, you're going to give them the executive summary and refer them back to the document. So then they can go back and, and, and look around. But the reality is if you have a board of 10 people, probably seven of them are only going to really read the, the cover page and then cross-reference based on what their personal uh, you know, interests are, are 
some of the things in the content, but the way to make the impact is to, to make it all there for them, that, that real meat potatoes right in front of them. If it's video, the, the advantage of, of uh, video is we, we get to put a face to the name so it's a little more compelling, but again, the same thing. You would refer back to um, what you're talking about and, and visuals interest people, but there's a difference between visuals and slides. So visuals are pictures and people and, and we're talking, but if you start getting bombarded with slides or you're writing uh, these wordy slides with uh, too much information, you lose people because then they do one of two things. Either they don't read it at all, you put up a, a wordy PowerPoint, they don't read it at all or they're busy reading while you're talking and they're no longer listening to you. So uh, keep the visuals as simple as possible. And I'm, uh, you also just piqued my interest. <laughs> You're doing a good job of that today. So I'm gonna ask you a follow-up question because I, I'm gonna share with you that uh, later next month, I'm uh, giving a, presenta a presentation to first-time teachers about how great the um, profession of teaching is. Um, so I'm curious to uh, get your opinion on on if you're a first-time teacher or communicator, what's the best way you think uh, today's teachers can connect with our student body and population? Well, I think personalizing things, right? So, you know, as we said earlier, there's only one Kevin. So getting things from your perspective, sharing little personal anecdotes from your own life, that uh, may be similar or maybe very different to their lives. So when you, when you tell a story and you reveal a little bit about yourself, then people are more compelled to listen to you and, and what it is you're saying. So I would encourage teachers to tell stories about, you know, if, if they're teaching sixth grade, tell a story about when you were in sixth grade, tell stories about some of the teachers that you had, maybe some great teachers, maybe some not so great teachers. But the important thing is you don't have to be the, the hero of every story. It's okay to, real, to tell people and to, to admit that you made mistakes, you've had foibles, things have come up along the way. Uh, that's okay because that's telling your audience, okay, you're not perfect, I'm not perfect, now we can relate, right? If you are you know, telling these great stories, oh, I had this great teacher and I you know, made the best grades and I did this and I did this, I was such a good student. Then, you know, most of the students in the class are thinking, well, you know, good for you, but uh, that's not me. And now that you've lost them. So personalizing things, just little anecdotes. You don't have to be a hero all the time. Sometimes things go wrong and that's okay to reveal. It's, it's perfectly okay. A little self-deprecating humor goes a long way. If we can laugh at ourselves, we'll never cease to be amused. So uh, certainly share that with your audience and that will endear them to you, but also in, in, engage them with your message. It's just like journalism, uh, you know, journalism that tells you always to localize a story, especially if you work in local news, right? Exactly. It's the exact same concept, right? So localize it to you, personalize it. Uh, and I would certainly say for teachers and, and for anyone who wants to connect with an audience, that's the, that's the way to do it. And I know for you, you're a busy, busy person. I know that you have a master's in communication. You're also a trained mediator and you have a real estate license. Where do you find the time to do this with me today? No, I'm only kidding. <laughs> um, so I'm wondering how you balance life both personally and professionally. 
Well, that's a good question. An ongoing challenge, right? Uh, and uh, I, I'm a mom and I have a family. And uh, what I try to do as far as balance is I try to schedule things and I write things in my schedule. You know, I schedule this podcast and I have some time I have to work with my son who's struggling with uh, something in school. He's on vacation and we have to keep him engaged. So I put it all on a schedule. Uh, I time, I have my schedule on my calendar instead of the to-do list. Well, in addition to the to-do list, then I block out times and I block out times for uh, fun things. And um, I block out times for work things. And I try to think about what's my, when am I going to be best at something? I have to write an article today. Well, that's going to happen in the afternoon because usually in the afternoon, I'm kind of winding down I'm, I'm getting focused. I can do that. So I try to make, make it work with how my energy level goes. And, um, and I just, you know, I, I have a lot of fun. I don't take anything too seriously. Um, and I'm just glad to do everything I could do. And my final question for you is when you're not working, what do you enjoy uh, doing for fun? I know you have a podcast and you love talking to people, but I'm wondering how, how you find your inner self once you're away from work and if you're not connecting with family. How do you find your inner self? Well, I like, I like a little quiet time too, actually, alone. I like some alone time. Uh, I, I run, I love to run, and I think sometimes I do my best, um, best work and my best thinking when I have some quiet alone time. I love a trail. Um, I'll take my dog for a walk. I like to be outside. Like it's, and when I, when I can, I try to get outside. Well, you live in California. Absolutely. Absolutely. Northern California too. It's a big difference between Northern and Southern. Yeah, yes, of course. <laughs> the beach, we have nature. So uh, we're happy for that. So anytime I can get outside and, and uh, connect with nature and just have some, some, just some, you know, quiet time. Um, I do meditate. I think that helps a lot too, just to, to get me focused. And um, I think sometimes taking a walk is the best meditation. Just chill out. I was in, I could do this all day, but from uh, uh, from one communicator to another, I really want to thank you for spreading a little bit of time with me to talk about effective uh, communication techniques. Really enjoyed our conversation, and I want to thank you for being here uh, this afternoon. Thank you for having me. It's been my privilege and honor, and I appreciate it. And uh, Kevin, I, I too could talk to you about this all day. I really enjoy it. Fantastic, Rosette. We're done. That was so much.